Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, you ended last cast with giving us a call of what can we do to give love to be able to to help those around us. Because um, these last couple of casts, we've talked about a lot of grave evils that are out there in the world. And one of the things that we kind of built this cast for in the beginning was to give people the tangible things that we can do to go out and, and grow it, whether it be just going directly, going to church, growing the church. But I think that what we're getting to is that there's something more than just showing up for Sunday mass and then going home and essentially compartmentalizing that into your life. And if I'm understanding the call that you're asking us to do is to make it universally throughout our life. You know, using the body example that we have in this this while, there's not any part of your body that doesn't have blood in it. You know, there's blood everywhere. And how do we make mm-hmm. that the spirit and the soul that's guiding us through all of our actions and, and going forth it to be able to, to know when there's true evil, how to confront it, and what is the best way to do it. And... um and it seems that most of these other trivial things we have in life kind of will take care of themselves completely. Yeah, I like the way that you said that, Joe, that our Christian faith should be like blood in our body, that it should touch and bring life to inform every part of our lives. And, yeah, I think... Uh, we have so much to offer if if we're only going to mass on sunday well first of all that might be a little bit of a simplification uh even people who are only going to mass on sunday may also be raising children they may also be you know out and volunteering in different ways they might be doing other things in which case hopefully they're raising children in a moral way <laughs> they're raising children to not be in the situations that you and i the, the worst case the bad case situations that we've been talking about the last couple of podcasts, you know, uh, hopefully parents are, are doing that. And hopefully parents in their love for each other, I'll tell you one of the biggest things I can correlate with the people that I see struggling the most is having divorced parents. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing what a difference it makes. All of us have imperfect parents. Some people's parents are less desirable than others. But parents that actually stay together, a marriage that doesn't end in divorce, provides a stability for children that is, I've started to think is just irreplaceable. I mean, I just have seen so many people struggle with commitment issues and with uh, falling into repeated sin and uh, having broken relationships of their own and uh, not having the confidence they need to move forward and in the best way in life. I just have seen this over and over again coming from broken families. So even parents who stay together as an expression of their Christian faith are doing more than just going to Sunday Mass. That's what I'm trying to get at. But then are there other areas of our life that can be touched on this? And you and I have talked about work several times, and I don't know all the details of your work, but I know that moral decision-making, which has been informed by your Catholic faith, makes a concrete difference in the way that you work, in the way that you treat people, and 
the way that you live your life and thus witness to your faith. And I don't know how explicit you make that also, but I know that implicitly uh, it's very much there. And that's a, you know, a starting point that we just allow all the things we're already doing to be Catholic, to be Christian, to be informed by Jesus Christ. And then to take a step beyond that in the kinds of situations we're talking about, and as I, I challenged myself also and the listeners to say, well, you know, shouldn't your parish be a real center of charity, an outflowing of charity for your parish area? Every parish is assigned to a particular geographic area. And if we took real responsibility for that area as a parish, we would first of all see there's a lot of needs in that area. And then I hope that every parish would feel a little bit overwhelmed. How are we possibly going to meet all of these needs? But then if you start looking around and you start soliciting the gifts that God has given you in that parish, the doctor who is in the parish, the lawyer who's in the parish, the nurse who's in the parish, the teacher who's in the parish, the, uh, the businessman who's in the parish, the handyman who's in the parish, and you start to see... There's a tremendous amount of knowledge and skills in your parish. And if you can just connect that handyman together with a single mother who's barely making ends meet and trying to raise that child who she heroically refused to abort, mm -hmm. and that handyman could just go to her house once or twice a year and fix some things up, we've just taken a huge step forward, which is the kind of step that we ought to be taking as, as a church. And then perhaps that woman's not Catholic. How do we find out about her? Well, you know, we put in an ad in the papers. Anybody need any help? We had some people who can help, but she asked for help. And now we've actually concretely witnessed the love of Jesus Christ to this woman. What are the chances that she's going to respond to that and say, wow, I want to be more like these people. These people have hope and they have courage. They have problems too, and they don't get down by it. They support each other as a community, and I want to be part of this. I know what I know who Jesus Christ is now because he's touched my life in this concrete way. I mean, it's great evangelization to be able to have that kind of uh, ministry and outreach. Yeah, that's a that, that's a really great thing that um makes you wonder why that isn't the norm already. Um or, I mean, that's just a, a a thought there. So um well to get on to a couple of things you just went there. Uh, about the business side of the world, yes, I do try to to emphasize it throughout the 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 company. That being said, that doesn't mean that every deadline gets hit and everything works out as perfectly as, as we want. There's still problems, and and being closer to Jesus doesn't actually make your your nails be cut straight and your boards go in right. That's not exactly how it works, <laughs> but there is. A... But it makes you try to do that rather than cover it up and and be corrupt. Yes, I guess that that's, that's the way to do it too. Um, but I think it's more so in the way that they, that you treat your people, especially in the, uh, the bidding process and all that, you know, I mean, there's always going to be stuff in life that you, you can't control. And, and, and I get that sometimes I might come across as being cold to that fact, especially with the conversations about evil that we had. But where I'm coming from is that there is absolute evil. And in, in we have a, just as a general role in society trying to hide that fact all over the place. And we try to put blame of evil upon other things that might come from evil, but they might not. Um, 
so that's a, a, a side story there. Um, but as far as one of the things that you mentioned earlier about the parents staying together, and I saw a study out there that said that they're believing that that is the fact that people's parents were divorced is why less and less people are wanting to be married um, in the church today and why people will get married civically but not through through the faith. And I just want to see if – is there a way – because you obviously can't unring that bell. Like you can't – your parents divorced when you were nine. You can't make them go back in time and get back together. How do we address that problem, which is, you know – divorce rate's been about 50% for a long time in this country or pretty close to it. There's a lot of people in that situation that um, have gone a lot of different ways. You know, there's people who've lived very successful lives with divorced parents and there's people who've never recovered from it. So how do we help those along the way knowing that, you know, that's real. It's, you know, especially in America, that that's a very real thing out there. And, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, again, two wrongs don't make a right. And so not getting married in the church because your parents got divorced doesn't fix the problem. Um, I often think in terms of, you know, if I have to quantify something, it's always a little bit dangerous and it's certainly inaccurate, but I think in terms of love, love as a kind of, if you can imagine it as a quantifiable reality, um, and parents provide an incredible amount of love for their children in a, in a lot of implicit and explicit ways. I mean, the fact that dad keeps sending money home, even though dad's not a very emotionally loving person, dad keeps sending money home. Or mom is also working two jobs to make sure to feed the children. You know, anyway, there's, there are a lot of sacrifices. There's a lot of love. And that, like, that 24-7 love of children is huge. And I often think that to kind of recover for that, we need to make it up some other way. And it just takes, you know, I meet with a lot of people for spiritual direction, and I come into a fatherly position for them. And I know that I'm able to provide a lot of love, but I usually meet with people for about an hour once a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you start to add up how many hours once a month it takes, to supply for what was lost in a parent. That's a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I feel, you know, I'm just barely, I'm supporting, I'm shaping. Now, with somebody who grew up in a solid family, I make a big impact, and I can really help them to take some steps forward and help them to continue developing in some wonderful ways. And that that hour once a month makes a big impact. But for somebody who has a real deficit, it's really been deprived of the affirmation they need. It's a drop in the bucket. But if there were a lot more of me, not just me, mm-hmm. but if there were a whole parish full of people who were willing to go out of themselves, who have enough of their own time and energy and love left to support some other people, like those young couples that you're talking about who are thinking about getting married outside of the church because they're suffering from the divorce of their own parents, well, maybe we could put a dent in some of the damage that's been done. Yeah, that's a, a, a very 
big point there because, you know, that's something that, like I said, is universal, you know, that, that are pretty prevalent in this country. You know, there's, you know, you go to any school, especially by the time they get to about eighth grade, about half the kids there are going to have divorced parents. And, you know, you go back in time, it wasn't always like that. And I guess, A, what caused the split to happen? Because, you know, I, I just don't get it. You know, how, how you get to that point of 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 that. I, the, I guess that's, that's just the question. Because it's more than just you at that point once you have children. It's, you know, it's there, there's a lot of extra moving parts there that, that you're giving away. Yeah, that's right. I was just uh, going to look up the the history of no-fault divorce. But, you know, um, no-fault divorce became a reality mostly in – apparently it was first introduced in California in 1970. That makes sense. By Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan introduced no-fault divorce in 1970. And then it was followed by most other states in the 70s and early 80s. So it's a pretty recent phenomenon. And the legal acceptance of this makes a big difference. Now, I, I don't know all the details. I don't know what you need to get a divorce before no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce means you can get a divorce for any reason. I mean, there's no justification necessary if I think I understand that correctly. Uh, just the will of the two parties, and if one of them resists, they have a certain amount of time to resist, but then the other party can push it through anyway. And you can do that for any reason whatsoever. And when there's no legal limitation on it, it grows, because we tend to legislate morality. The laws make a statement about what moral good and evil is. So... Yeah, how did that cat get out of the bag? Well, we let it out of the bag. <laughs> we passed laws that made that happen. And these are laws that we don't even protest very much anymore. We've we've gotten so overwhelmed with other things, but it's a it's one that's worth revisiting. Uh, now, in situations where there's abuse, in situations where um, someone's life is in danger, in situations, you know, obviously the the Catholic Church investigates not divorce, but whether a sacrament was ever there to begin with based on what kinds of uh, freedom or knowledge was missing in one of the spouses, uh, one of the parties to the marriage before the marriage took place. So um, in the, at the end of the day, there are situations that people are living together, but they're not really married. Even though they went through a marriage ceremony, the reality is they didn't they, they didn't have the right idea of marriage. They weren't really committing themselves to the right thing, or they were doing it out of fear or in mental illness or some other kind of uh, inhibiting factor. So uh, I lost track of your of your question now, but uh, I just I felt that seeing how recent this is, we have this idea that it goes back so far, but the amount of divorce, is fairly recent, as is that legislation. No, I know it wasn't existent in the 50s. That that was kind of where I was starting with there. Um, I, I knew that it wasn't a thing then. But 
Well, I guess with that being said, you know, if it's as easy as one law, you can switch a law to actually have legitimate causes for a divorce. Um, but I mean, the, the other part of it is, is that, you know, it takes effort. And, and I, I understand what you're saying about the day that the sacrament was initiated, did everyone know that they were going into it? But after periods of being together, you have to put effort to, to make it move forward. And that's the part where it just seems that there's there's not a whole lot of, you know, emphasis on it. You know, that that, that you need to, to try and, and where it goes. Because, and I guess that from the legal side of it, just making it more difficult to leave it just goes, well, more people will stay because it's more difficult to go away. And, yeah, there's inherent truth to that, that, you know, if it costs three times as much to get a replacement car, you're going to try to fix your own. You know, that's just life. And I know that's a horrible reference to marriage, but that's also the way people are. And that's a fact of the game. So um, I don't know if if that's a way to address it or not. I, I was basically seeing if there was a way to do it internally without the church or question within the church and without the, uh, the, the government getting involved. Cause we see how often the government just doesn't do it right. Well, yeah, I mean, having movements for laws like that would be, uh, certainly a helpful step, you know, as, as the laws against abortion are trying to provide for, and we're fighting those legal battles and maybe it requires a constitutional amendment. But the whole question of marriage, you know, I mean, this this whole gay marriage thing now, uh, which is going to have all of its own divorce issues. It's, I don't know how much of that is playing out already, but there's going to be a tremendous number of divorces, no-fault divorces that take place also in the gay marriage realm. And we'll see what the consequences of all of that is. So pushing on no-fault divorce may be a worthwhile legal battle to push on, and at least... Uh, put out a few fires but but you're right i mean ultimately not needing any of these laws is ideal that people understand what marriage is that they enter into marriage with the right attitude that they don't try to bail out that they have good mentoring uh, and that's where again the, the parish is one way to provide that if you have good par- good good married couples you know and you you and teresa are, can be one of those couples now more and more as the as the years go by, but mm-hmm. to reach out to young people who are dating, young people who are engaged, and to help them form a deep conviction about what they're doing and to make a decision that's really going to be for life and root out any of the conditionals. Well, I'm going to do it as long as it's easy, as long as it's enjoyable, as long as uh, she's faithful, as long as whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we have conditions in our marriages, then they're going to end up in divorce. So, okay, is that part of what you were saying there about why the gay marriages are going to um, have significantly more divorce? Because just from a logical standpoint, I mean, I, I, I understand that the, the church has man and woman as a big portion of it to being procreation and to bring more children into the church. Um, but aside from that, you know, I, I guess that that, that I, I, that might be one of these things that I don't 
know fully enough about um you know why it's why it's going to be so destructive if if there's more to it than that that I'm just flat out missing um as far as you know the natural order and whatnot yeah i mean just uh, especially among the male homosexual community there's a tremendous amount of promiscuity the men tend not to stay gay men do not stay with the same partners it's not like there have all there have been all of these men who were living together and faithful to each other and living this kind of husband and wife sort of life and they just were being prevented from marriage and now with Obergefell versus Hodges, they have the constitutional right to get married, and you know we carry on happily ever after. It just that's not the norm. The norm, and mm-hmm. I'm not being harsh toward anyone. I'm just you know pointing out the the realities. If you look at the statistics about sure. um, fidelity among same-sex couples, especially among men, women are a sort of they're it's a little different reality in terms of the reasons that they end up together and how some of that same-sex attraction develops and gets gets lived out, but uh, especially among men. And, and even it seems within one of the things that may happen is that they live with one person, but there's a fair amount of infidelity in the marriage, and even in a way that's acceptable to both halves of the marriage. So, But whether they get tired of each other or how this you know plays out, Many people say there's just going to be a lot of divorce. You're going to have a lot of divorce among gay couples. And so I, that's all I'm saying. We were talking about divorce. I'm talking about divorce. So. Oh, no, it was just something that, that I didn't know. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, anytime you got infidelity running around, it's going to be hard to keep trust there and keep a relationship going. That's that's pretty straightforward logic. Nothing really groundbreaking there. Um so that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, um, so father, as we just had a big, um, conversation here, and as far as these last couple casts of concern, is there any overarching thought that you want to give us moving forward as we bring this cast here to a conclusion? Well, I'm just, uh, would like to, to beat that same drum that I've beaten the last uh, couple of times to say, I think it's really time to apply some creativity about how parishes can start to be a remedy for some of the ills of society. That the political instrument, maybe one piece of it, it's so divisive that uh, I wonder what the end result is. But certainly the outreach and charity can be a tremendous power. And that just goes back to your point and to the foundation of this whole podcast, that if we have this attitude that we interact with the church only insofar as we go to Mass for one hour on a Sunday, then we're really falling short of our Christian calling. And do I have all the answers? Do I know exactly what this should look like? No, I don't. But I think that there are people listening who do, who do have an answer for your situation, for your parish, for your area, can you start a movement? And this is where I want to point to you again, Joe. Do you have all the answers? No, but did you think, well, maybe we can make a podcast and we can meet, reach a few people? And you went through the effort and you reached out and you and you made this initiative. It's totally volunteer on your part and on my part. We're not mm-hmm. making any money on this. We're just – this is one way that you and I can reach out. And so uh, that's a wonderful thing. And I just think that there's enough creativity, enough goodness in the hearts of people – 
And there's a kind of critical mass in a Paris setting that if a few people do it together and support each other, I think we can make a big difference. And, and that's the sort of thinking that we need to develop to keep applying our Christianity to, uh, to our lives. Perfect. Perfect. Well, again, thank you very much. And, um, thank you for, for obviously having done this cast with us for this year together that we have, if not longer. Um, so I definitely thank you for that. And I thank everyone out there for listening. We, we've definitely grown in ways that is, um, it's quite impressive compared to what other startup podcasts have done. So I, I thank you guys out there for listening to us. I thank you guys for continuing to, to help grow it. You know, please continue to write the reviews on iTunes or wherever you're downloading your cast at. And please continue to retweet us as we're giving out um, our weekly updates for the next podcast at Father and Joe. So thank you guys very much. Have a great week, and we'll be with you next week.